Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060, online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We're going to head on out to the KDOS hotline as we're going to dive into NFL free agency, trades, and much more, all with Mike Tanier uh, with Football Outsiders. Mike, Bob, and Kayla, how are you today? I'm doing great, but I think like most of the world, I am scrolling with one hand and watching the Pat McAfee podcast with the other hand, waiting for this filibuster to stop and for Aaron Rodgers to say something that makes sense. Filibuster might be the perfect word for how I'm seeing it being described on Twitter as well. Uh, I was just listening to some of it. I mean, it's just a rambling fool here. (laughs) He loves the sound of his own voice more than he loves money. We'll get well. Let's just start here with Aaron Rodgers, and at least from a New York Jets side of things, here they did go uh, ahead yesterday, agreeing to terms with Alan Lazard. There was this weird Diana Rossini tweet yesterday that said that Aaron kind of had a list of demands of what he would need uh, in order to come to the New York Jets. Just where do we actually think we are? Is he playing football? Is he not playing football? And and how much does this? help the New York Jets if he is quarterbacking the the New York Jets squad. Kayla, while you were speaking, he said that he will play for the Jets. Okay, there we go. He play for the Jets. And now they have to work out the trade, according to Rodgers. According to everything else anyone's heard, there are the pretty clear parameters of a trade in place. Now, there was a a, a report a couple of hours ago, maybe an hour ago, that those parameters are not 100% clear. But there are parameters in place from everyone else's standpoint a couple days ago. So it looks like now that Aaron Rodgers has allowed all of the uh, insiders to say that he wants to play for the Jets. As long as we're now allowed to say that, I think very quickly in the next 24 hours, the parameters will come out and the deal will get done. Now, my per- now by the way, my personal opinion on what this means for the Jets, this is going to be a disaster. This is going to be a disaster. Think about this in terms of any relationship you've ever been in. If you have to work this hard to please the person, before the relationship starts, imagine how bad it's going to be after the after the two sides are together and no one can back out. I believe that the New York Jets are probably going to win about nine games with Aaron Rodgers quarterback. It's going to be nothing but nonstop soap opera, and they're going to be wondering what they spent all their money in drafting. Sometimes those relationships that are you, know, you try to get involved in work for a while, though, right? <laughs> so yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe immediately it might be okay, and then it goes to hell. Yeah, yeah, and it's like if the Jets had a, were a little more on their own two feet, like the Buccaneers were a couple of years ago, where you know the Buccaneers had you know Pro Bowlers at a lot of positions. The, the, the Jets don't. The Jets have like Rookie of the Year candidates at, at a lot of positions. It's a little different, and they still have holes at some of these positions. And Mm -hmm. if they weren't in the same division with the Buffalo Bills, where it's like you could go out there and get your head handed to you by a a still better team and have everybody like pointing fingers at each other afterwards, there's a lot of things that make it look like this isn't going to be like a two- or three-year deal that's going to be full of thrills. There's going to be something that feels more like what we saw with Russell Wilson, uh, where the first sign of trouble, the fact that this was – that so much of what's happening now is to appease Aaron Rodgers not to necessarily win football games. But so much of that is the focus right now. That's going to come back to haunt the New York Jets. Uh, also here it appears while both of you were talking that uh, Aaron Rodgers has said that uh, the Packers are the ones digging in their heels in trade talks with the Jets and indicates that he'd like them to get this show on the road. So we'll see oh, how. Well, 
Aaron Rodgers says that it must be true. <laughs> of course, of course. Mike Tanier, NFL conversation here with Football Outsiders. We'll move away from Aaron Rodgers here for a bit <laughs> and we'll get into the Philadelphia Eagles. They are uh, the representative of the NFC in the Super Bowl. The team was able to re-sign cornerback James Bradbury to a three-year deal. The Eagles lost Javon Hargrave to the 49ers. The Eagles said goodbye to Miles Sanders. They re-signed Boston Scott, agreed to terms with Rashad Penny. Jason Kelsey has decided not to retire. He's coming back. Also see that they might be releasing Darius Slay. Uh, You combine this with the offseason losses to the offensive and defensive coordinator positions. How do we sum up how this offseason is going for the Eagles? It's a controlled skid. (laughs) You're skidding, but uh, they're skidding a little bit, but they've got their foot on the brake and the foot on the steering wheel on the anti-lock brakes, and they're trying to get this under control. So you talked about some of the losses. Uh, they're losing Slay, but they're keeping Bradbury. That puts them in position to, to, to get a little younger, cheaper at cornerback in the draft, for example. Uh, they lost Javon Hardgrave. That was pretty much not going to happen. He, they, he, they were going to lose him no matter what. He, he was going to get a blowout contract from the 49ers. But keeping Kelsey is sort of the surprise. Some of the people they've lost along the way, like Hardgrave, like the linebackers, they drafted the those needs last year. That's a good position to be in. You say Jordan Davis can take some of this role, and the Kobe Dean can take some of this role. So what they're trying to do is manage how far they drop here. And I, I think so far the Eagles have fallen about as far as they thought they were going to fall in the offseason. They have not, like so far, been rocked or surprised by anything that goes on. And, and, and we're, Howie Roseman in the past has managed situations like this, and I, I think he's still in position to manage this and come out with still the, the strongest uh, roster in the NFC. Okay, so let's assume Rodgers is going to the Jets just to get that out of the way here. If we can move on from that. So the big, I think the second biggest drama individually in this offseason is Lamar Jackson. So what happens with him? Lamar Jackson is currently under uh, a contract with the Ravens due to the franchise tag. He's not signed it yet. Uh, starting at 4 o'clock, I believe teams can really start negotiating with him. Panthers, excuse me, the Ravens have the right of first refusal. They can refuse any offer that's put on the table. Uh, they will get compensated if he leaves. And we've seen already that a lot of teams are not particularly excited about kind of wading into the Lamar Jackson situation when they know that uh, their offer could be refused. They could just be used to drum the price up. Um, and uh, that he has been uh, difficult, to, difficult to negotiate with for the Ravens. So if you look at the list of potential suitors right now, it has almost dried up. Okay, the Jets are out of the picture. The the uh, Raiders are out of the picture because they went and grabbed Garoppolo. The Saints are out of the p- picture. You're looking at teams like the Commanders. Uh, and I want to say the Panthers are out of the, the picture because they traded up for the first overall pick. So you have a couple of, handful of teams like the Commanders that might be interested. What I think Lamar Jackson is about to discover is that he does not have the negotiating leverage that he hoped he had. The franchise tag is still there. It's still a problem. And he's got to, his best bet is to go back and try to make, work things out with the Baltimore Ravens. Mike Tanier having a football conversation from Football Outsiders right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra points. So the Bengals lost safety JC, uh, Jesse Bates to the Falcons, who signed him for the fourth highest paid contract for a safety in NFL history. Looks like this morning as well, they're going to be losing tight end Hayden Hurst. Uh, also, Samaji Pirine is out of there for Cincinnati. So how much does all of this impact where they're at or kind of having to clear up some space for some future contracts that are looming large. Yeah, that's what they're doing is clearing out space. And it's another, like, a controlled skid type of thing. I, 
I think they had penciled in that they were going to lose Bates. They were not going to be able to afford him while budgeting to save Joe Barrow, while budgeting to save Jamar Chase. So uh, you lose Bates, that's big. You lose uh, Von Bell, you should be able to get another safety of Von Bell's caliber. You know, you should be able to develop them through the draft. You should be able to develop running backs through the draft, and they're probably going to need to replace both running backs if you look at Joe Mixon's overall situation. So those are the manageable things. So uh, they did do a couple things. They they kept Jermaine Pratt, who's uh, one of their better linebackers. You know, they're keeping the guys in the trenches in in place. And, you know, I need to wait and see how the rest of the Bengals offseason unfolds. But like the Eagles, they're at least a position in which nothing unexpectedly bad has happened, and they're kind of doing things the way they expected they were going to have to do them. All right, you mentioned Jimmy G. He's in in Las Vegas. Derek Carr is out. How would you compare Garoppolo and Carr operating Josh McDaniels' offense? Carr is a better quarterback. Uh, Carr is probably better at operating McDaniels' offense, unless McDaniels is like just sour with him and doesn't, and doesn't want to work with him. That creates a different situation. Uh, so, I mean, there's no way of looking at it except that that was a downgrade at quarterback. And what's interesting for the Raiders is, you know, they downgrade at quarterback. And so you say, well, does that mean you're rebuilding? And they trade Waller uh, to, to the Giants. and like, well, does that mean you're rebuilding? Then they bring in Jacoby Myers. And it sounds like, no, they're not rebuilding. And, of course, they franchise tag Josh Jacobs. So when you first look at their offense, you say that looks like a pretty good offense, all things considered, because Devontae Adams is there and Garoppolo is a good game manager, et cetera. Then you realize it's, it's deteriorated from what it was last year, and you look at their defense, and that defense is not winning any games for them, and you wonder what this team's plan is to get better. They're very good at like making moves as, and keeping it quasi-professional, but they're not good at taking the steps they have to make to compete for a wild card, let alone compete with a team like the Chiefs in their own division. The Colts released Matt Ryan. They traded Stephon Gilmore to the Cowboys. But from an organizational standpoint, are they poised to do something else crazy before the draft, like maybe try to move up one spot? They should be looking to move up one spot because if I'm the Arizona Cardinals right now, I've got the commanders on the phone, and I've got any other team that might be in the quarterback market on the phone. The Falcons, I think, would fall into that category. And say, here we are at number three. So yeah, strong, uh, Stroud and Young will probably be gone. You like Levis, you like Richardson, you want to make the move. You do not want to be the Colts and get jumped for what they think is the number three guy and have to settle for the number four guy. So if I'm the Colts, I'd move up one. So I at least have a little more control over my destiny. Or maybe maybe I even move up two and see if the Texans will play ball. I don't know. That's a team that hates big, splashy, risky moves. You know, Even the Matt Ryan deal was kind of a, a low-key move after all the Deshaun Watson things happened. I don't think they want to take the risk of moving up. I think they're going to sit at number four. If that means the Colts sit at number four and take Will Levis and go through like a growing pains kind of year, I think that's what the Colts are going to do. All right, the NFC West. Uh, The Niners' defensive line already elite, got better. Uh, (laughs) The Seahawks are trying to improve. The Rams and the Cardinals seem to be giving up on a lot of their best players. Is that an accurate assessment of the NFC West? Yeah, I'm surprised the 49ers defensive line didn't stack Aaron Rodgers while he was talking. <laughs> you know, adding Hargrave was big. Now, of course, they lost a couple of guys. Samson Ekebon's a, a nice piece. Hargrave is a much better player. Um, but that, that line got better. They're going to be great on defense, and they're, they're trying to figure out which quarterback is going to be healthy. Um, the Seahawks did get better. They had Dremont Jones. Um, they sort of settled the Geno Smith situation in a way that's comfortable for, for them. And they've got two first-round picks. So the Seahawks are in a position to keep building and staying the course 
and staying sort of in the rearview mirror of the 49ers. You're right about the other two teams. I mean, the biggest news coming out of the Cardinals is they're kind of keeping, they're kind of bringing back their offensive linemen. And on the one hand, it's like these aren't the best offensive linemen in the NFL by any means. On the other hand, there are about nine of them who are free agents. They've got to bring some of these guys back. Otherwise, they would have to like completely restart the, of the offensive line. So at least they're starting to sift through the, you know, the Will Hernandezes and DJ Humphreys of the world and figure out who their starting five are going to be. And you're right, the, the Rams are the Rams are taking the year off for financial purposes. The Lions have tried to address the defense. They're getting cornerback Emmanuel Mosley. They also are getting Cam Sutton. So this defense now has no excuses but to be improved, right? Yes, and when you factor in, you added two solid corners. You still have Darius Slay, so you have a corner that you drafted who isn't really developing but can still play. He's not a mess if he's your number two or number three. You still got two early draft picks. But originally I was looking at the Lions and saying, oh, they'll draft a cornerback. I believe they're sixth overall, seventh overall. I've lost track. I think it's six. Um, they'll draft a cornerback. They'll draft Christian Gonzalez. Now now they don't have to. Now they could go out there and get, you know, Miles Murphy, this unbelievable uh, edge rusher who's got arms that go all the way to Kansas. But they could go out and get Jalen Carter if he drops and, you know, add that absolute le- level of muscle to their defensive line. So a little bit like the Seahawks, but maybe even – like more impressive in terms of how much rising talent they have. The Lions can take those moves and uh, use them to supplement the draft and really come out there with a totally different defense in 2023. Okay, so we've had tons of you know guys moving in the last you know, 48 hours or so unofficially. I guess it's official here like any minute. But you know, are there still some difference-making players out there? Yeah, there are. You, know, you start, first of all, at the running back position. And I come from the analytics field uh, where we kind of do the whole running backs don't matter. But if you look at some of the guys out there, starting with the fact that Ezekiel Elliott just just popped on the uh, uh, you know on the radar as somebody who could be there. That's the case. You look at positions like uh, defensive line. There are a lot of guys like Fletcher Cox who, if you are a contender, you can go grab this guy. I think Akeem Hicks would fall into that category. Guys who can still play at that level. Um, and there's other veterans. I'm looking at the offensive line. Donovan Smith is out there as a veteran who had to get cut for cap purposes. He's available. He could help a team. So it's not like it's super off the off the charts impact guys, but we didn't enter free agency with many super off the charts impact guys, except for you know guys like Rogers who are in the special situation. If you're a contender and you need an extra piece for a year, you can get that. If you're a young team and you're looking for somebody who can bring in leadership, particularly a position like the offensive line. Or you know, a running back to soak up carries and, and to you know kind of be the bell cow. Those guys are available too. Mike Tanier, NFL conversation coming to us from Football Outsiders right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, Patrick Peterson, he's headed east to play with the Steelers now. So what did we see from his game with the Vikings last season, and can he be an asset with the Steelers this season? You know, his season ended badly. He did not play particularly well late in the year. I don't think he looked good in that Giants playoff game. Uh, and so I went back and looked at him a little bit because in my brain it's like, oh, Peterson had a great career, and he's kind of done. And then if you watched him like in the Bills game and some of those other games, like the toughest the toughest matchups he's faced, he played really well in those games. Uh, so it might have been a matter of you know what was happening with the defense around him. Maybe he's mixed up at the end of the season and not saying anything about it. It looks like he can still play at a pretty high level, not what he was you know seven, eight years ago. But use that like professionalism and experience to overcome the fact that he's lost the step. Steelers are a great team. 
if you come in as an older veteran and you sort of have a more designated role, Steelers have been doing this for many years. They did it with Joe Hayden years ago. Come in, play cornerback. We're not going to make you chase Tyreek Hill all over creation. We're going to put you on a side of the field, let you play like a cover three, and let you use your experience. I think that's going to be a great uh, opportunity for Patrick Peterson to extend, extend his career. Okay, last step for me. It's only two days, but a lot of guys have changed teams and locations. So are there a couple of teams you think have improved the most in the last two days? And how about a couple of teams that maybe you've lost the most? I think the Chicago Bears have done the most, starting with that trade that brought in D.J. Moore and a bunch of draft picks for the first overall pick. You can see their plan moving forward right now. You can see that they've upgraded their offense already, added some players on defense, and added draft picks. I think that's a that's a big win for them. I would add, in terms of teams that aren't just like, you know, the Texans, where it's like, oh, you added guys and you stunk last year, so you're better now. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really count. Yeah, the Dolphins bringing in Jalen Ramsey, I think, is a big boon. And I would add to that the Dallas Cowboys being able to bring in Stephon Gilmore, re-sign Leighton Vander Esch, and, uh, and, and, you know, sort of retain that defense and add to it. What you want to be if you're trying to make the Super Bowl and the Dolphins and Cowboys are on that second tier trying to make the Super Bowl, you have to be a team that can cover both wide receivers. Got to be able to cover A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Got to be able to cover Waddle and Tyreek. Got to be able to do that. So that's why you're seeing these doubled-up cornerback tandems, and I think the Dolphins and Cowboys did a great job on that. I don't really want to do the sliders right now because you see teams like losing guys like the Eagles, like the Bengals, and you don't want to overreact to that right now. So I'll say some teams have helped themselves. Some teams have at least done a good job of not hurting themselves. Mike, as always, appreciate the time. Best of luck trying to decipher everything that Aaron Rodgers continues to say on the Pat McAfee Show, and we look forward to uh, following your work as you do so. No problem. We go into the coffin of darkness for a couple hours, and when I come out, I'll understand everything. <laughs> oh, better you than me. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate <laughs> it. You got it. Bye-bye now. Once again, Mike Tanier there with Football Outsiders. 